Good morning. And I uh, apologize for the on and off of the lights. You're not trying to be a disco. <laughs> but uh, welcome to the Garden State Church. And uh, it's been great just being together and just to come and, and have the, 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 the Northwest and the Northeast. I love it. It feels like home. Feels like family reunion. Yesterday, I was telling some of the brothers, uh, uh, you know, my grandma Stackhouse, some of you guys know her, uh, she turned 90 years young uh, today. And uh, we celebrated her, and uh, I love you, Grandma, if you're watching. But uh, it was just There's nothing like being with friends. And uh, yeah, and we come together, Man, this is an a, a time to encourage one another, but we get to hear the word of God. And so I'm going to do my very best to present God's word. And again, I hope that as we hear that, that it hits our hearts, because, you know, I tell you, our worship team, just let's give it up for these guys. Every single time. Come together, it is so inspiring, and uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. The enemy, we're on generator power, that is why the lights are on. The enemy is really not wanting us to hear, so you got to pay special attention, <laughs> special attention, special focus. Now, I know it's you know, the lights. You know, some of us are like, okay, I'm going to do the best we can, but amen. All right. But I want to share a video here. Um, Sarah and I went away for a little vacation. Thank you, Lord, for that. And uh, we got to do something that uh, we... Uh, don't regularly do. And actually, Sari got to do this. But I want you to listen to uh, this instructor talk about the importance of riding a kayak. Okay? I want you to listen to what she says. All right, what's your name? My name is Ellen Horber. And Ellen, what do you do here? I am one of the program assistance here at Silver Bay. Um, in weeks, I have learned to not grab the size of the kayak or the canoe. The, the reason that it's so important to do that is because if you grab onto it, you lose, your balance starts changing. You you start focusing more on the size of the kayak or the canoe, and you just grab it more and you hold onto it more and more dearly for life. So you start shaking and shaking more and you fall over. So it's like you grab on the right side, your tendency is to lean for that support that isn't fully there. Since you're in the water, you're just gonna go in. Okay. And so it's important to ignore your natural instincts. Oh, okay. 
Why is that? It, it's very important because like you're on the water, so like you're expecting that support there, and um, it's not gonna. It's, there's no support for you there. So if your tendency is to, I'm gonna lean on the support, the strong plastic support to help me up. You're gonna lean on it, but the thing underneath it is not supported. It's water. It's gonna make way for you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you will tip over. So, how you have to give up your instinct of support, trust, and kind of give into your instinct of just trust, just be there. Because again, your movement is much more different than it is on land than in water. So you just need to just sit and use the balance of the paddles to pull you forward. Because if you can. <laughs> Hi, Well, I had to take a little video. <laughs> the natural instinct to stay on land to save it. Natural kayaker. <laughs> Right. Turn your Bibles to First Samuel chapter twenty-one. We're going to get there in a moment. But you know, to hear those words, ignore your natural instincts, goes completely against our way of life, our, our our way of living, our way of thinking. And you know, our emotions can drive us to places that we don't want to go. Our emotions are so powerful that they can cause us to do things that we don't want to do. And today, we're going to look at the life of David, and I guarantee, I promise you, Nino and I, and this lady, we did not talk about this beforehand. So the spirit is moving. So let's pay attention to God's word this morning. Amen. Okay. First Samuel 21. And I want to give you a little background here. So God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's his son David, who he didn't even consider worth presenting. And he comes. Teenager when God appointed him as king. But the problem was that there was already a king. So God calls, God tells David through Samuel that at the right time, you're going to become the king of Israel. Remember, it's at the right time. So Saul has disobeyed God and Decided that he's going to go his own way. And so God says, okay, I'm going to replace Saul with David. So through some pretty interesting circumstances, David gets ushered into Saul's kingdom. And again, you can read this in 1 Samuel chapter 21 through 23. 
because I'm going to paraphrase, not paraphrase, but just look at bits and pieces. Um, he becomes a captain of the guard, a captain of the army. And Saul and everybody around him says, this kid, this guy, is there's something special about him. The Lord is with him. David grows up from a teen to a young man, and he becomes a warrior. David is heroic in battles. He kills Saul. I'm sorry. He did not kill Saul. He kills Goliath. Like, what Bible are you reading, Russ? He kills Goliath. As a result, he marries Saul's daughter. And then he becomes besties. Did I get that right? BFF. Thank you, please. Besties with Saul's son, Jonathan. And so God is with this young man in an unbelievable way. And then Saul gets jealous over time that he begins to hate David. Because Saul knows two things. One, one day David's going to take his place. Two, that means my son isn't going to become king. And he's not feeling that. So one day, Jonathan goes to David, his friend, and he says, hey, I got to let you know something. My dad is committed to killing you. So you got to get out of the kingdom. And David begins to run. So we're going to pick up 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 5, uh, verse 1. David went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? That's a really interesting question because David was never alone. He was always with his entourage of, of, of leaders and, and it would be like the president knocking on your door and you open up and you were like, Mr. President, he's like, hey, can I draw some tea? That just wouldn't happen. President didn't go around alone, right? Verse two, David answered Ahimelech, the priest, the king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, no one is to know anything about your mission and your instructions. As for my men, I have told them to meet me at a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. But the priest answered David, I don't have any ordinary bread on hand. However, there is some consecrated bread here, provided the men have kept themselves from women. David replied, indeed, women have been kept from us as usual, whenever I set out, the men's things are holy, even on missions that are not holy. How much more so? So the priest gave him the consecrated bread 
since there was no bread there except the bread of the presence that had been removed from before the Lord and replaced by hot bread on the day it was taken. So, David lies. He made that story up because he was alone, he was afraid, and he felt rejected. Now, you might be reading this and saying, David, David, come on, you killed a bear with your bare hands. You killed a lion. And if you haven't seen a lion lately, they're really big. And he killed a lion with his bare hands. So, dude, what, what's going on? What, what, what's happening inside? David forgot something that you and I can forget. When times are challenging. And that's simply that the Lord is with us. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with me. And, you know, but why lie? Why make, make up all of this shenanigans? Why, why, why create this story? Because, as I said, he was alone. And he was hungry, too. There's something about hunger that affects you. But see, David did what we can tend to do in similar situations. When our feelings get us going, there's no telling what we can do. There's no telling what we'll say with the right situation and the right pressure. And so David did not ignore his natural feelings. What he did is he grabbed the sides of the kayak. And he went over there. He took matters into his own hands. And he went over Suddenly, what God had done in his life, what God had did with the lion, with the bear, what God had did with the lion, all of it is and you know, sometimes in life, when things seem like they're falling apart and they're just crumbling, that's what happens. We get gripped with emotional fear or panic, and we can grab the side of the boat because I gotta do something. And it's so amazing. As smart as we are, as how many reminders we have in life. Guys, it's easy to forget. And I don't mean where our keys are, although that happens. But it's easy to forget what God has done. 
David was at this point. And you know, brothers, I'm going to speak to you for a minute. As a man, when things look like they're not going to work out the way you wanted it to work out, and that feeling comes on you, I was somebody, but now I'm looking like a nobody. Or I'm not measuring up to wherever that came from. And we can't we take our eyes off of God. Because it looks like it's not going to work out. And so those feelings of insecurity come up. Those feelings of rejection, those feelings of my life is falling apart. And God, you're not doing something about this. And panic sets in. And then we do what comes natural. We grab the sides of the community. And we begin to manipulate, we begin to lie, and we begin to fear and say things like, if, if I don't do something, who will? Are you with me? Okay. I want you to skip down to verse 10. Because as Nino said earlier, we're talking about the man after God's own heart, right? And so God thought he was pretty awesome in spite of what he's going through right now. Verse 10, it said, that day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. You know, that phrase, David fled, there, that's a word you don't associate with King David. That's a word that you don't associate with the Goliath slash lion slash bear killer running away from Saul to a foreign king for protection. You gotta like realize, whoa, David, David's struggling. But this is why David forgot that the God who had arranged can sustain. David forgot who got him to where he was in life. And for some reason, he forgot about him, and he forgot about what he'd done, and now for some reason, he had to take matters into his own hands. Because it wasn't working out the way he thought it should. He forgot that the God who arranged his circumstances, who chose him from Jeffy's boys, who was a nobody, who became a somebody, had the power to maintain what he had begun in his life. And so he took matters into his own hands. Because again, after all, if I don't do it, who's going to do it? See, we're the same way, aren't we? Right? Our emotions lie to us. 
And now we are believing what we think and what we feel and these thoughts that go in. And now we're all doing our own thing. See, it goes something like, well, if God was in control, why is this happening to me? If God is in control, why do I feel this way? If God is in control, why am I being rejected and feeling these thoughts in the church? If God is God, and then you fill in the blank. But that's where the emotions come into play. And they weave a complex, super tight argument. In our minds sometimes. And we grab the side of the boat. We invite in the humanism. And it leads us to the self-reliance. And now we're not, we're not relying on God. We're relying on ourselves. You know, I remember when I became a disciple, uh and I remember that scripture, you must give up everything to follow Jesus. Right. You know, that wasn't much for me at that time. <laughs> Trusting in the Lord with everything, I had two duffel bags and an NJIT basketball bag. Just to close in. That's all I owned. But I've learned as we get older, you know, you get married, you get kids, you know, you get some more stuff. Yeah. Relationships. It's a little harder. Trust with all your heart. And see, God is constantly pulling us to that place. Trust. Trust and obey. And see, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you're dealing with. But the answer is not to grab the side of the boat. That's not the answer. The answer is not to say, well, if I don't, who will? People don't understand. In some ways, that's true. But God understands. Amen. Amen. And He is constantly trying to engage us. Right. Let me tell you if you are not hearing the word of God, i.e., in your Bible, I don't mean just have a quiet time. In the word. And Satan wants to sift you like me. And he wants to use your emotions. To drive you rather than you going back to the word and remembering what God says. It is so imperative, brothers and sisters, friends, that we learn how to keep going back to Him and remembering, remembering what God promises. Let's go back to the story here. Okay. So David is having this. Exchange with the priest. 
There was a guy there named Doad. He's a friend of Saul's. Okay? So Doad sees David have this exchange with uh, the priest. And uh, we actually turn over to chapter 22. Verse 7 and 22. All right? So he sees David have this exchange with the priests. And, uh, you know, later on, Saul's like, hey, who knows anything about David and where he's at, what's going on? I will give you this, or I will, give, I will reward you if you give me information about him. And so Doag says, I got some information. I saw David go and inquire of the Lord and get provision from Ahimelech. And, and he gave him a sword as well. So let's look at what happens. Chapter 22. Let's skip down to this conversation. Verse 9. But Doag the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's official, said, I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions in the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, and his father's whole family, who were the priests of Nob, and they came to the king. Saul said, listen now, Ahitub. Yes, my Lord, he answered. Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and inquiring of the Lord for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today? Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of your bodyguard and highly respected in your household? Was that day the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant of any of his or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing about this whole affair. But the king said, You sure you will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. Verse 17, then the king ordered the guards at his side, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were not willing to raise their hand to strike the priests of the Lord. Verse 18, then the king ordered Doag, turn and strike down the priests. So Doag the Edomite turned and struck them down. That day he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. He also put to the sword Nod, the town of the priest, with his men, women, his children, and infants, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep. But Abathar, son of Ahimelech, son of uh, Ahitub, escaped and fled to David. He told Saul, he told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. And look at this, verse 22. 
Then David said to Abathar, that day when Doab the Edomite was there, I knew he would be sure to tell Saul, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. Eighty-five priests and family were killed because David told a lie. David said, I'm responsible. Now, I don't know about you, but <laughs> we had a, a, a midweek couple of weeks ago, and I was visiting, you know, down in, in D.C., uh, Phil's dad's funeral. I forgot to turn on the Zoom. Man, that bothered me for three days. Bobby was like, huh, he's high. <laughs> he took care of it. What me? Being responsible for the death of an entire city because I told a lie. Guys, now this is heavy, and I don't, none of us hopefully can relate. But I want you to think about how David must have felt. I want you to think about, whoa. A line from a man who forgot that God was with him. He needed to be afraid, but he could trust him to maintain what he had begun and to sustain what he had put in place. He forgot that God was with him. And see, like us, we have to remember when things are falling apart. And again, in some situations, it's the lights. I know you know. But seriously, what could be most serious situations? God is with me when the body's falling out. God is with me when my neglect affects those around me. Again, I know this is extreme. I know we can't really, but you know what? Let's 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 make this a little more practical. Some of us are so tired of being lonely that we're pursuing a relationship with somebody. That we really shouldn't be pursuing. Because we're so alone. Some of us, we're holding back financially because we're so concerned with what could happen in the future. And that we're not giving to God, we're not giving to the church because we're afraid my needs won't get met. 
know, some of us, we've been hurt by, by what others have said or done, and we decided we are putting walls up, and on the outside it says, keep out. Stay out of my life. We say to ourselves, that will never happen to me again. See, like David, we have to remember that God is with us. And that we've got to decide, okay, God, what's your way? Trust. What's your way? Obey. Right? What God has arranged, he will sustain. This thinking that I have to do something, yeah, but I got to rely on God and then do something. Are you with me? So let's wrap this up. Okay. Are you with me? Yes, sir. So let's go back for a moment. And we're going to wrap this up. First Samuel chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. And this is, I tell you, this is this is really powerful. All right. And we can't miss this. First Samuel chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. David asked Ahimelech. Don't you have a spear or a sword here? Now, again, captain of the army, no sword. Dude, what is going on? And you're asking a priest. <laughs> David says, I haven't bought my sword or any other weapon because the king's business was so urgent. Verse 8, uh, verse 9. The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, it's here. I'll be right back. Let me go get it. Let me go find it. It says it's wrapped up in a cloth behind it. But if you want it, take it. There's no sword here but that one. David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. You know, you got to think about the significance of that sword. Think about it. God was saying in a small whisper, David, Remember. Remember. David, you know what this sword represents, right? It represents the futility of man in the face of the power of God. It, it's a reminder of what a teenager with God can do against a seasoned warrior giant. It's a reminder that I am with you. And, oh yeah, I don't work the way man works. I don't think the way that man thinks. David, remember. Remember what it looks like. Remember. Remember that day when you walked down into that valley? And what you had was a slingshot and some stones. 
Thank God he had five. If I miss. But remember, the entire Israelite army did not believe that I could do what you believed I could do. And you walked down into that valley. Believe me. That I was with you. And you fought Goliath. Nobody gave you a chance. But I was with you. David was our shocking moment. And you know what? I'm still with you. But brothers and sisters, friends, I'm saying, David missed it. He took the sword and he left it. Think about that. He took the sword that was defenseless against the power of God, placing trust in it to say, now I got confidence. Now I got security. Now I can deal with this. A weapon that was useless when it was on the other side of conflict with God. You know, this morning, October 1st, God is offering you and I a reminder. David missed it. And you and I right now stand where David stands. We're in a fork in the road. What God used, or I should say, remembering what God used to do and what it seems like he doesn't do anymore. We stand in the conflict of knowing right from wrong and wanting to do what is right, but our emotions are saying, if I don't take wrong for the option, it's over. If I don't do this, then who's going to do it? If I don't, uh, if I give, well, what's going to happen? If I sacrifice my time, well, what about me? And we stand at this fork in the road. And God is saying to you and I, pump the brakes. Remember. Remember. Remember the way I answered your prayers when you were fed up with your way of living? Remember when I answered your prayers and that person came along out of nowhere and now you're at this informal Bible discussion that you have no idea that you have Bible discussion in the Panera? <laughs> Remember, as I see people in your direction and, and, and then you decided to just surrender and say, let me, let me try this. And your, the scale fell off your eyes. Like, I've read that a thousand times. And I never understood. Remember. Remember when you choose to open your heart and try and keep in your marriage. I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to bring that up again. I'm going to cancel that debt. I'm going to let it go. And we're going to learn to love each other and respect each other. Remember how the doctor said one thing?
And God says, well, not right now. I'm going to take care of them. Remember how you desperately wanted to change and overcome those <clears throat> harmful, self-destructive habits? And God showed you the way out. Yeah. And not only did he bring you into a community, he brought you to help and the resources. And he gave you his spirit. And now I was desire to do the things that you hated to do. They right. died for you. And you overcome. Right, Remember, Jesus said that told you always pray and not give up. I'm with you. I meet all your needs. You know, remember what your life was like before Christ. No peace. No joy, no gentleness, emptiness, hollow, aimless. Remember that. And remember who made you alive. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, that was nice. But here's the question. Will you be like David and go man's way? Or will you get the clue? And here's the clue. 1 Samuel 23, verse 1 through 4. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Kyla and including the threshing force. He inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Then the Lord answered him, go, attack the Philistines and save Kyla. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Tyler against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, go down to Kyla, for I am going to give the Philistines into your hands. See, David realized he messed up, but look at what he does. He decides to go back to depending on God. Right? Shall I go? What should you, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? David inquired of the Lord. He learned that lesson not just one time, but over and over and over again. And again, you come back next week, we're going to continue to look at how David learned that lesson and how he grew. See, well, no matter what I feel, no matter what I sense, no matter what I see, I am not taking a step until I ask my Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. See, regardless of our fear, our loneliness, our rejection, Lord, what do you want me to do? See, if you knew that God was with you, that he would intervene in your circumstances, what would you do? Would you wait? Would you trust? See, Jesus says it this way. I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Yeah. Will you trust me? Because I am trustworthy. 
Or will you trust your emotions? See, cool thing about the Bible is if you read it, David wasn't the only one that had to deal with this. Joseph, Gideon, Paul, Moses, Sarah, Hannah, they all felt rejected. They all felt forgotten. They all felt forsaken. But it wasn't true. God was at work. Working on their hearts to learn to trust in him. At this time, I'm going to ask Larry come on up and he's going to say a prayer for us. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, let's remember this lesson. Ah, ah.